Well, again, good morning. It's good to see everyone this morning, and it's wonderful to be here. Um, it's an honor and privilege to be here with you uh, and with uh, my family and you guys here on this Easter morning um, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will do that, and our goal is to do that by lifting up God's word this morning. Um, resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday is a, is for, the, for the Christian is a day of victory, Christ's victory, victory over sin, victory over death, victory over the grave. In fact, we stake our eternity on this day. Romans 6, 5 tells us, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So, if the Lord tarries and we are to die, our resurrection to glory someday is made possible by Christ's resurrection. Every Christian holds tightly to that promise of eternal life. Uh, that is made possible through the resurrection. And we mentioned the resurrection in these verses this morning, and there's one particular aspect of it I'd like us to focus on, and that's in verse 3. Let me read that again um, as we consider the resurrection this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our title this morning is that Christ is our hope and Christ is alive. Specifically, because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we have a lively or uh, modern translation would say a living hope. It's a living hope. It's not a dead hope. Um, And a dictionary definition of hope would be um, a desire of some good with a reasonable expectation of obtaining it, right? You desire something good and you, you think it's possible that you're going to obtain it. Um, and there's lots of things that we hope for in this world. Uh, maybe we hope for the Red, Red Sox to win the World Series. Uh, maybe we hope for a raise at our job. And this day actually might, might uh, suggest that our hope that summer will again return to Maine uh, is, may happen this year. Um, but those that are begotten again, are born again, have a living hope, a living expectation of something good. So what does that mean for our lives? And those are, the, those are questions I want us to consider as we study the word this morning, as we take a look at the glorious resurrection of our Savior and, what, and how that makes a living hope possible Because we don't ever, all those things I mentioned or other hopes that we have, we don't tend to call them living hopes. So what's different about a living hope? So my first uh, area I want to discuss this morning is what is a living hope? Christians have a living hope. So if we use the definition, we'd say it's a living expectation because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? We have a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Well, let's, to, to understand a little bit more about what a living hope is, I'm going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. You're welcome to follow along with me. You're welcome to uh, turn there as well. I'm going to go to a couple places this morning. Typically, I tend to preach verse by verse, but um, I wouldn't want to go through a whole book on you this morning. That would be kind of a long thing to do. So uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1 will help us here. It says, Paul, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. For the Christian, Jesus Christ is their expectation. And that's an important thing that, to, to not move over too quickly. We might say as Christians that we have, say, a hope in heaven, or we have a hope of eternal life, or a hope of forgiveness, or we have a hope of deliverance from hell. Those things are true. Those things are good. But it's only because Jesus Christ is our hope. Saying you have a hope in heaven means that Christ is your hope. Saying that you have a hope of forgiveness means that Jesus Christ is your hope. Christ and those wonderful blessings are not, um, are, they're not inseparable. You cannot take them apart. They are one in the same. When you say one, you are in fact saying the other. That's why Paul would say, he, we, Paul does not, did not say he would preach eternal life. He preached Christ crucified because they are one and the same. They come together. Those who are born again have a living hope. Those who are born again have Jesus Christ. That's just part of it, though. We've defined that Christ is our hope. So to our question is, what is a living hope? So we've defined our hope as Christians as Jesus Christ. But what about the living part, the living part of the hope? Well, this is why Resurrection Sunday is so important um, and, and why this day is so essential. Because Jesus Christ, our hope, is alive. He is alive. Does that matter? What if, what if Jesus Christ had lived a perfect life of righteousness and then died without being raised from the dead? Well, that's something, that's a big danger that the Apostle Paul was uh, fearful would, would come into the minds of Christians or come into the minds of people considering Christ. And so, listen to these words. I'm going to read um, what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You're welcome to turn there as well if you'd like. Like I said, I'm going to bounce to a couple places. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. He was serious about this concept of, well, wouldn't it just, would it be okay if Jesus Christ lived this life and died for us, but, but didn't raise from the dead? And this, I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians 15 and verses, beginning at verse 12, where the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. Whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet dead in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So it was an important thing to Apostle Paul. It was the essential thing. If Christ is not risen for the dead, I might as well close my Bible, go in my vehicle, go home, and it's over. It doesn't count for anything. There's nothing. There is no hope. 
To be without Easter, to be without Resurrection Sunday is to be without hope, is to have a vain or an empty faith. It's a faith in nothing. It's no different than believing the golden calf will rescue you from death and from hell. It says here we would be most miserable. So, again, we're trying to answer the question, what is a living hope? If we do not have a living Savior, if Christ is not alive, we do not have a living hope. We have a dead one. And a dead hope isn't a hope at all. Um, And again, we would be most miserable. All of the blessings we talked about that come, that are connected with a living Jesus Christ would uh, not, uh, they would be empty promises because a living hope is necessary for them. So a hope of forgiveness, not possible if Jesus Christ is still in the tomb. A hope of heaven or a deliverance from hell, not possible if Jesus Christ is still in the tomb. A hope of eternal life is not possible if Jesus Christ is in the tomb. Jesus Christ alive is their basis, and we hope in him. So we, we have a living hope. So we'll define a living hope is a resurrected and therefore living Jesus Christ. A living hope is a living Jesus Christ. They're the same thing. He, he is alive. Our hope is alive. Jesus Christ is the center. And he can only be a hope to us if he's alive. Our hope is alive because he is alive. And so today we celebrate the risen, living Savior that's in the world today. In fact, and you don't need to turn there, in Matthew 28, 5, we hear the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. So the Bible teaches us that Christ raised from the dead, so he is alive today. But it also teaches us that he will never die again. That it's not going to happen again. Romans 6, 9 says, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. And because of that, we have that same promise. So it is a living hope. So, we've tried to take a little bit of time to describe what a living hope is. And it's pretty pretty simple. It's a living hope is a living Christ, a living Savior a resurrected Savior. And so what I want to take most of the rest of the time in the message is to now go through some implications of that hope on our lives. What should that do to us as Christians if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today? And so I'm going to consider four effects of hope in the life of the Christian. And so if you bear with me, we're going to go to four different places in Scripture for this, but we'll start with one. Our first one is a living hope provides an unshakable anchor for the soul. And that's in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17. A living hope provides an unshakable anchor for the soul. Wherein God, verse 17 again of Hebrews 6, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of his promise, of promise, sorry, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation 
who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. You may know that hymn, Jesus, Savior, pilot me. It's a hymn by Edward Hopper, and it represents the realities of life. Um, Probably, if I were to ask you, and I know it's true of me, if I was to ask you to describe some days of your life, you might say they are like a tempestuous sea. Uh, Do you have a day where it's maybe a regular day at home or at the, at the workplace, and some new wave just crashes in, comes in from, from unexpected direction, and it threatens to sweep you off your feet. Or maybe it's a different type of day. Maybe there's more days like this, where it seems like you're just hit, getting hit by little wave, by little wave, by little wave, and you're worn, you're tired, and perhaps you're ready to turn to something other than God to comfort you. Now, sometimes in this life, we can all feel a little adrift, uncertain or fearful sometimes of what the next day will bring. So I might ask, does your, does your soul need an anchor? Mine sure does. <laughs> do you ever get blown off course in your Christian life? I do. Do you go one way when you should have gone the other, like Jonah? I think we've all at some point taken the wrong turn, opened the wrong door, said the wrong word. But our verses here say, do we have a refuge? Do we have an anchor? We do. We do. We flee to our refuge. Verse 18, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So we flee to our refuge and we grab on to our hope. And that hope is, verse 19, is a anchor, an anchor for the soul. The living Christ is a sure and steadfast anchor. It is, uh, let's not turn to the world for the comforts of this life to be our refuge. Is TV an anchor? Is food sure and steadfast? Will alcohol be a refuge? Will a paycheck protect us from the tempestuous sea of life? No. They offer a false sense of comfort. They do not offer what this verse says in verse 18, a strong consolation. They're temporal. They do not last. They are not a living hope. A living hope provides us with an unshakable anchor. It's such a neat way to think about, or just to, to describe it, to, to, to just, our soul needs an anchor. It's not a body, right? Maybe the body is, maybe it will, it is going to break down, or we're going to have a trouble, and we can't fix that automatically, but our soul can have an anchor. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives our souls a sure and steadfast anchor in this life. Because, yeah, the body will not. Our financial well-being, that could get taken away. Other things just, again, are uncertain. But our soul, do you want your soul grounded? Then lay hold on the hope that is set before you. So a living hope first provides an unshakable anchor for the soul. Secondly, a living hope 
purifies us. And that is in 1 John in chapter 3. And right to the end of the Bible here. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. A living hope purifies us. Beloved, this is 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. If you're a Christian today, you were not saved to be the way you used to be when you were a child of wrath, fulfilling the lust of your flesh and doing the bidding of the prince of the power of the air or being, and being under the just condemnation of the Lord. We're not saved to be like that anymore. It's not just a nice, you know, a ribbon to put on. We're called to become increasingly Christ-like. Now we call, we have a fancy word, right? We call that sanctification to... Uh, become more separated from the world and unto God. And beautifully, these verses tell us that there is some day where we will be like our Savior, right? We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, verse 2. That's not possible if Jesus Christ is still in the grave. We don't want to look like people in the grave, right? There's no desire for that. We, not in the world, there's no one that's saying, you know what, I want to look like the dead guy. I, that's not what we desire. That's, if, if our hope is not alive, then there, it is no hope at all. No one wants to look like a person in the grave. But our ongoing, our progressive day-to-day sanctification, again, is not a one-time event. It happens over the course of a lifetime. And so we ask, what makes it possible? And we look at our verses today. Every man, verse 3, that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. God is pure. We have a hope in ourselves if we believed on his son, the resurrected and living Jesus Christ. And then we purify ourselves. So what makes it possible? What sustains it? Hope. Hope is what allows us to become more like Christ. A living hope allows us to become more like Christ. To desire, uh, it gives us the energy, it energizes us to purify ourselves. It makes us to desire to want to be more like what we will become, right? We're going to become like Christ, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. And then we are, through our hope, we have a desire to do that on a day-to-day basis. We don't want to wait to be like Jesus, right? We don't say, well, I'll get the sanctification stuff over with at the end. I just want to do my, what I want to do now. No, we don't. That's, that's not what God does in saving us. We have a living hope. So we purify ourselves even as he is pure. And we do that only because Jesus Christ and our hope is alive. If he is not alive, this doesn't happen. So... We're building a case for why it is so important that Resurrection Sunday exists. There are many people even in this country and world that believe that Jesus Christ existed, but he is not alive today. 
that he was not God in the flesh. And they try to say, well, he had some good teachings, and I'll follow those, but I, I, he's not my Savior and Lord. To do that is to be without hope. There is no hope in uh, Jesus Christ who isn't alive today. Now, because of this hope and this idea that it energizes us to be desired to be pure, we can say with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all, with open face beholding as in a glass or as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So because of our living hope, we can look at the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, we do it right now by seeing him in his word. And then by looking at glory, by beholding glory, the Bible tells us here that we become more like him. Now, it's by the, it, it, we mold ourselves, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't muster up our, our own energy to do this. The Spirit empowers us as it indwells us to do this, to be more Christ-like. And in fact, if you're born again this morning, this path is inevitable. We will not permanently backslide. We do have setbacks, and we talked about the the tempestuous sea. Um, But God will complete the work he has begun in us, Philippians 1, 6. And we will be like him, like our verse here in 1 John. We will be pure because he is pure, and we will be like him because of our living hope. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ purifies his people. Um, so it's a living, uh, the living hope provides an unshakable anchor for the soul. Uh, the living hope purifies us. And our next um, example um, is that a living hope brings joy. It brings joy. And for that, I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15 and verse 13. And there's a, more than one place I could have gone for, for this. But I'm going to read uh, uh, Romans 15, 13. <clears throat> now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You see hope is a consistent theme in the Bible. We see it so much. So, a living hope brings joy. Everyone in the sanctuary here this morning wants to be happy. Uh, in fact, everybody in the world wants to be happy. It's the universal condition of men. We want to be happy. Maximizing joy, minimizing pain or sadness or discomfort drives so much of what people do. We want enjoyment. We want to be happy. Now, where does mankind look for joy? Well, lots of different things. Food, friends, fun, uh, music, movies, museums, rest, retirement. And many of these things do bring us happiness. But what type of happiness does it bring? Well, it brings temporary happiness. It brings fleeting happiness, uncertain happiness. Happiness that's subject to failure. And maybe in one word to describe it, it brings happiness or joy that is fragile. It's not secure. You can't guarantee it. God's word here promises us a different kind of joy. In fact, what does it say? It says, 
It is a, the God of hope fill you with all joy. And there's peace there as well, but our, our topic today is we're focusing on hope. But it's a filling joy. It is all joy. That sounds pretty good, right? Not just this little piece of joy. It's all joy. Do you see how this joy is possible? It is possible through a God of hope. So there is an interconnectedness between hope and then the joy and peace in believing. So joy and peace in believing are secured because we have a God of hope. The foundation of our joy and peace is believing. Believing in what? The risen Christ, our living hope. It's connected. Of this hope, uh, Matthew Henry said, God is the God of hope. He is the foundation on which our hope is built. And he is the builder that doth himself raise it. He is both the object of our hope and the author of our hope. That hope is but fancy and will deceive us, which is not fastened upon God and the goodness hoped for and the truth hoped in and which is not of his working in us. So it's a fancy and uh, deceptive hope if it's not fastened upon God. So one of the natural outworkings of this hope is joy. God wants us to be happy. In in fact, you don't need to turn there now, but we were in 1 Peter where we began, right? The the living hope is in verse 3. In verse 8 of that same chapter 1, it says... Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though ye now see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So our living hope, the uh, resurrected living Jesus Christ, brings us rejoicing and inexpressible joy. Joy that I can't fully put in words. It's foundational joy, it's steadfast joy, abounding joy, full joy, solid joy, secure joy, eternal joy. That's different than those other joys or the other things that could bring happiness in this life. So indeed, God does desire our happiness, but he doesn't desire us to be happy doing what we want if it's simply for us. He desires our happiness to be founded in him. This alone is where we can have full and complete joy. Psalm 1611 tells us, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Christianity is not a morose religion. It's not a duty religion with no, I just got to do what I got to do. It's not happy. It's joyous. It should be. It should be. It should be full of joy. And it's only through our living hope, the resurrected Savior Jesus Christ, that we can have sure and lasting happiness. In fact, the resurrection purchased for us the only source of true joy, eternal joy, which is Jesus Christ himself. So we have a living hope provides an unshakable anchor for the soul. It purifies us and now it brings us joy. But there is a fourth effect. And that is that a living hope brings us a bright outlook. So I'd ask, what do you see 
So in my, when I'm not teaching and preaching the word, I am a meteorologist. So I uh, work at the weather service down in Gray. And uh, we forecast the weather, right? We look out and try to uh, determine through computer models what the weather is going to do. So we forecast out a week in advance. What about years in advance? Or just, just looking at culture, looking at how things in our country are moving. What do we see when we look ahead in time? Well, some, if you, the one thing you might do to look ahead is quick look back and see where you've come up to this point. If you look back over the six last, say, 60 years, you might see it, what you might say is a terrible movement. It's, it's, from, it's away from morality towards debauchery. Uh, you moving away from a one nation under God to a nation that worships man. That forecast looks kind of bleak. There might be others, you could ask, that, that they, they look ahead and they see perils like global warming, right? They're, they say that we're, we're in trouble. There are, there are disasters coming in this world. And it's not a pleasant picture to them. But you might talk to somebody who's an optimist. They might say that humanity is on the right path, right? You might talk to somebody like that. They're, we're moving in the right direction. We're not perfect, but we're making steps. There's technological advances. You know, we have, we're getting to the point where we have self-driving cars and, and uh, we have, you know, uh, we, can, we can go on the internet and find all information we could ever want at our fingertips. Maybe it's a future that they see that will have no more wars or a future where cancer will be a thing of the past. Or maybe where sea level rise will have stopped and mankind will be living in peace. All these things are in different people's minds today about their outlook. So as Christians, what are Christians to look ahead to today? Well, first, Colossians 3.1 tells us, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So he's sitting there now. He's alive. You can look to God. That's where your mind should be focused. So what are we to be looking towards? Are all these temporal things we've been talking about, what, what should we actually be looking towards? So for that, let's turn to Titus. Titus, which is First, uh, Second Timothy, then Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. So again, we're, we're trying to... to say that a living hope brings us a bright outlook. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So as Christians, we look longingly, excitedly, joyfully, expectantly, hopefully for the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. So what makes that possible? A living hope, a living Jesus Christ, because a living Jesus Christ at the right hand of God the Father can return to come to us as he promised, right? John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That's why we're looking, because he's coming back. Why? Because he's up there, because he's alive. He is a living hope. That gives us a bright outlook. In fact, in our 
where we're at here in Titus 2.13, that word looking, it literally means to look expectantly. It's not just like, oh, I see him. It is, I'm looking for him. I'm expecting him. I'm, I'm, I'm looking expectantly for him, for that blessed hope. We live looking forward. We live recognizing this world is not our home. This world does not impress us. What we look forward to is our blessed hope, our living hope. And remember, we said our living hope is the resurrected and therefore living Jesus Christ. So our eternal future, everything that we look forward to is founded in this hope. Jesus Christ is our future. To see him, right? When we see him. To be like him, for we will see him as he is. To learn more of him. To behold his glory. We're beholding his glory today in his word. We hope someday to behold his glory face to face. And we do this because he's alive. Christian, do not fasten your outlook on the things of this world. Some will deceive you. Others will try to depress you. None will sustain you. None will give you the proper perspective for today. Just imagine, we await the appearing of God who declares himself to us in the form of his son, his living son, his resurrected son. That is the appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead does give us a bright outlook. Now, would that change what other people would say of us if they saw that in us? I fear too many Christians and far too often myself, I spend too much time complaining, complaining about the problems of the world. We look around and we see moral decay. We see sin abounding. The prince of darkness seems to be triumphing. But imagine if we had an unbreakable, joyous outlook on the future based on a living hope. To always be looking beyond the challenges of today or this week or this month to our coming Savior, to that looking ahead, to that blessed hope, because he is risen. To be the true eternal optimist. What might that do in a lost and dying world today? Might it not cause someone around you to look at you and ask you a reason of the hope? That is in you? Might then we be able to tell somebody, God, out of his abundant mercy, has caused me to be born again and has given me a living hope because of the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. We could share the living hope that God has given us. Oh, that God might use us to spread the good news of his son, our living hope, Jesus Christ. So this living hope that the Apostle Peter described to us that we opened with in 1 Peter 1.3 is a tremendous thing. It's the sure anchor in our lives. It's the sure anchor of our soul. It's the purifying agent. It's what drives us to become more and more Christ-like in this life. It fills our lives with joy, but not just a joy today. It's a joyous outlook for tomorrow, for all our future and all of eternity. Now, we could probably spend a couple weeks uh, talking about all the different 
possible ways to think about hope in the Bible as Christians, but it has been kind of enjoyable and just amazing to talk about few. So that brings me to a question I want to ask this morning. Is do you have this living hope? You might say, what does this hope look like? Can I, can I see this hope? How do I know I have it? How do I know I have this hope? Is there any shape to it? Can I, can I pick up this hope? Hope can seem so intangible. It's, you, you might not be sure you have it. God doesn't leave us blind here. He helps us. And so the final place I want to turn is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. <clears throat> We're trying to determine, do we have this living hope? We've talked about it, but you can't... We, we've said it's Jesus Christ, but I can't see Jesus Christ today, physically, literally. I could see him in his word. But how do I know I have this hope? Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What a tremendous verse. Hope is not just um, ethereal and unknowable. Um, This verse is saying hope has substance to it. And in fact, it's telling us the substance of hope is faith. That's such an amazing concept. The subs- how you see hope, how you know you have hope, is faith. Faith. When you see someone with faith in Jesus Christ, you know they have a living hope. They go together. Living hope within a person who has received, by faith, the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the living hope of the Christian. And you say, well, okay, how do you know that this person or yourself has this hope? Faith. Faith is what you can see in your life that demonstrates you have been begotten again unto a living hope. Faith. So you say, well, okay, what is faith? (laughs) Vine's Dictionary defines this type of faith or saving faith as a firm conviction producing a full acknowledgement of God's revelation of the truth, a personal surrender to him, and a conduct that is inspired by such surrender. So it's, you recognize it, you receive it, you surrender to it, and then you obey, you live your life after it. We call this saving faith. Now, saving faith in this world today, to believe these things, is not just God asking, oh, I hope The world will come to my son. It's a command of God to humanity. Christ's words in Mark 1.15, he says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Paul said on his sermon on Mars Hill in Acts 17.30, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So it's a command of God. The Apostle Paul described saving faith in Romans 10.9 is that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So, we are, again, we're trying to define faith here. Faith is, the, the ingredients of it, I think, are fairly simple. You acknowledge your sin. I'm a sinner. You believe that Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, provided the only means you have to be pardoned from the just penalty for that sin. You recognize that that sin brings upon you a penalty um, for the wages of sin is death, right? So we acknowledge our sin, we believe in Jesus Christ, and we confess that he is your Lord, surrendering yourself, to, surrendering yourself to him. And that's my prayer for everyone here today. Let me read that verse we opened with again this morning, 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So on this and every Easter Sunday, we commemorate and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The living Savior is our living hope. So first and foremost, let's make sure our attention is focused on him, not just on his blessings and his promises. Those are wonderful, but don't lose Jesus in it. He is our hope. Christ is our hope because he is alive. So this of all days is most significant. We celebrate Christ's birth, right? We have Christmas. But Christmas doesn't give us a living hope. We marvel at Christ's life, but it does not give us a living hope. We soberly consider his death, but it alone does not give us a living hope. It is only in his resurrection that we have a secured living hope. And then we, re- then we need also to remember at the same time as all this is happening, we, we recognize these things, we acknowledge sin, believe in Jesus Christ, confess that he's our Lord, we recognize that ultimately God is at work. John 1.13 helps us to understand the ultimate author behind the recognition of this living hope. It says, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God is the ultimate author of this. It was out of his mercy, right, that he has begotten us again into a lively hope. So all glory goes to God. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Christ is our hope and Christ is alive. And so maybe praise God for his abundant mercy to us, showing us this truth. And may we proclaim this to, it should be evident in our lives that we have this living hope within us. So that the lost and dying world will ask us of the hope that is in us. And we may go to the lost and dying world and tell them of the living hope that they can have. Let's close in prayer.